0: Hello, and welcome to this ISECOS webinar. Uh, The title of this webinar is How to get published, editor's tips for maximizing your journal submission. And this webinar is presented to you by members of the ISECOS editorial board. My name is Nick van Dijk from the Netherlands, and I'm the current editor-in-chief of the journal of Joining me today as presenters for this webinar, we have our distinguished colleagues, Lisa Arendt, Professor and Vice Chair of the University of Minnesota, and Kevin Parvaresh, MD of the Orthopaedic Speciality Institute in California. Thank you for joining us today. And before we start, I would like to take a moment to invite you to join ISACOS. That is, if you are not already a member, of course. And to join us for the upcoming ISACOS 2021 Global Congress on November 27 and 28 this year. In addition, I have a couple of announcements. First, GSECOS is transitioning to being a gold Open Access journal in 2021, which means that from that moment onwards, any new submissions will be handled as Open Access content, and if accepted for publication, there will be a modest article processing charge. GSECOS members will get a discount. You can find details on the GSECOS website, gsecos.com. We're also moving from BMJ to Elsevier, and I'm excited that the journal will be available through Science Direct, which is the largest journal platform. And I believe these changes, coupled with the fact that JISACOS was accepted for indexing in Medline and PubMed this year, as well as Scopus, Embase, and the Clarifate Emergent Sources Citation Index, that all will make JISACOS a more visible and desirable journal for authors. So please send your research, your reviews, your surgical technique videos and cases to the GSICOS. To increase the chances of success for acceptation of your manuscript, we hold this webinar. So let's now move to the presentations. I will start on how to prepare a manuscript, followed by how to prepare a case report by Dr. Arendt. And we'll finish with how to prepare a technical note by Kevin Parparesh. We hopefully will have a lively discussion to conclude the webinar. So please submit your questions in the Q&A session. We pre-recorded our presentations in order to be able to serve as a standalone lecture for your reference and the reference of others on the journal's website and on the global link. So please now start with the first video. Hello and welcome to this presentation on how to prepare manuscripts. manuscript. My name is Nick van Dijk, I'm from the Netherlands and I'm the current Editor-in-Chief of the Journal of Isakos. I have no disclosures in relation to this presentation. I will first provide you with some general guidelines, and these are guidelines and no rules, then some rules on the structure of a manuscript, and I will end with some tips and tricks. When you have been working for years on a manuscript and it's finally ready, you want it to be published, right? Moreover, you want it to be read, but readers do not have to read what you write and reviewers do not have to accept your manuscript. So your first goal is to grab them and hold their attention. You have to make it easy for the readers, but how do you do that? In order to answer that question, it's important to know how do readers look at papers? When they receive a journal, how do they decide on what to read? Well, we know from this survey published in the New England Journal of Medicine some years ago that readers first poke at the title. Am I interested in this? If so, they will look at the end of the abstract. And at that point, am I still interested in this? Then they might skim the abstract. Then they will look at the tables and figures and only then they will read the paper. So this is what the readers find important But first you have to take another hurdle and that is that the reviewers should accept your paper. So what do reviewers find most important? The tables and the figures are the most important thing for the editors and reviewers to judge your work. That is what they will look at first. So the big message should be distractible from the tables and the figures. So my key message here is picture your reader and your reviewer reading your work. Reviewers should be able to understand all figures and tables without referring to the text. Make it easy for them. Don't use abbreviations in your figures and tables, for example. So you've done your experiments, you have analyzed the data and now you're going to write it up. You know what it takes to grab the attention of your readers. You know how to please the reviewers. So where now do you start? I would encourage you to start with the tables and the figures. No one gets writer's block by starting with the tables and the figures. Lots of people get writer's block when they start with the introduction, for example. But no one gets writer's block by starting with the tables and the figures. It's wonderful to see your own data and get inspired by them. The tables and figures are part of your message. Start with the patient population. Uh, You describe the data uh, collected. You classify the endpoints and the way you analyzed the data. Explain the techniques in sufficient detail to allow someone knowledgeable in the field to replicate your work. Then to the results. Your table one should be the population characteristics. If you fail to produce Uh, the table one, the population characteristics, then your manuscript will be returned. Table one should always be the population characteristics. And then you follow um, uh, the same order, occurrence of the endpoints, your analysis, uh, subset analysis, and you state conclusions in the results sections. And you need to provide enough data to convince the readers of your conclusions and use abundant tables, use a lot of tables and refer to them in the results section. Don't repeat what is shown in the tables and the figures in your text. And then you write your abstract and the abstract follows the same uh, structure as uh, the manuscript, intro, message, result, discussion and conclusions. Ensure that your abstract can stand alone. Do not include data that isn't in the paper and do not suggest conclusions that cannot be supported by the data in the paper. So you've done your tables and figures, you've written up your methods, you've written up your results, and you start with the abstract. And you might question if you start first with a skeleton of the introduction, for example, and a skeleton of the discussion uh, before you do the abstract. But you can also start with the abstract because the main um, outcome is in the methods and in the results. And then you can always fine tune your abstract possibly you've written, your introduction and discussion. In the introduction, think uh, broad to specific and don't mention the obvious. ACL rupture is a common sport injury. We know that, and it is redundant space in your manuscript. Sufficiently introduce the current state of research without becoming a review paper and explain why your study was conducted. What was your research question and what was your hypothesis? And describe the purpose and objective of your study. In your discussion, your first paragraph should always be a summary of your main findings. Begin with the main finding. For the reader who had their attention wander, you want to make sure that they got what it's all about. Then compare it to other works. Relate your result to the literature. These findings are consistent with and extend those from prior results, etc., etc. Then the implications of the work. Then the limitation: these data must be interpreted in the context of the study design, etc., etc. And you finally state your conclusions and you describe future avenues of research on the topic. Then the title. The title is maybe the most important part of your work. It is the title which makes the reader decide if he continues to read the work. So you have to seduce your reader with your title, or at least you have to grab their attention. For Jesus, of course, we demand a conclusive title. The reader should be able to get the main message from the title. I'll give you some examples. A systematic review on the treatment of complete proximal hamstrings in, uh, ruptures. If you read that and you are not treating a lot of uh, hamstrings ruptures as 99% of us, you will not read the article. However, if the title would be Acute Repair of Hamstrings invulsion Results in Better Outcome than Conservative Management, the systematic review, now you go, a systematic review which shows that Um, an evolution of the hamstring should be uh, operatively treated, nowadays I treat it conservative, I have to read it. Because when I get such a rupture, I have to treat it operatively. So 99% of your readers now will read it. Another example, an observational shoulder MRI study in elite volleyball players. If you're a shoulder specialist, Yeah, you might go for the article. But if you're not a shoulder specialist, you will skip it. However, if the title is Shoulder MRI in Asymptomatic Elite Volleyball Athletes Shows Extensive in 100%, now you go, well, what will it be in ankles, in knees, in hips, in athletes um, uh, that I treat? They will probably have the same So I have to read this article, because do I treat the MRI or do I treat the patient? Last example, systematic review on the treatment of ACL ruptures in children. You will go, I don't treat a lot of children, and it's another paper on ACL ruptures. There are so many papers, I will skip this article. However. If the title would be early ACL reconstruction in children leads to less meniscal and articular cartilage damage when compared to conservative or delayed treatment, a meta-analysis, now you go, a meta-analysis, this is the highest level of evidence. Early reconstruction prevents meniscal and articular cartilage damage, Hmm. even with delayed treatment compared to delayed treatment. I have to read it, or at least I have to, um, uh, transferred this to my colleague who is treating a lot of children. What is unique for um, uh, the GISA is the text boxes. We demand text boxes for our original research. What are the new findings and what's already known? And I believe these are very important. Remember the survey uh, in the New England Journal of Medicine? Readers first poke at the title, but I'm convinced that the second thing they will do, They will go to the text box, what are the new findings, and then they will go, this is really new, and so they look at the other text box what's already known. And then they will go to the rest of the abstracts, uh, the tables figures, etc. So the text boxes, I believe, are very important. Then to the references. Failure to cite sources violates the rights of those who originated ideas, so refer to the original articles. I followed a masterclass recently uh, by Thomas Lee and he stated only cite living reviewers. And I hope and think that it was provocative. But what he said is be smart, think of your reviewers, your potential reviewers, that is. And what he said, what a reviewer does when they get a manuscript that's relevant to their own prior work, they are human and they will flip to the back to the reference list and they will look if their own work is cited in your paper. And I can tell you, he says, but I see an article which is in my field of prior work and I flip to the back and I see that my work is not cited. I go through a range of emotions, depression, then it evolves through hatred. Let's see what this schmuck did. And it puts him in a bad mood, he says, when you approach the manuscript. So think about the potential reviewers, he says. And that might be uh, clever to do because you want to make sure that their work is at least acknowledged in your um, uh, manuscript. As to the structure, minimize the separation between subject and verb. The point of a sentence, the quintessence, should be at the end. Readers pay attention at the beginning, at the end of every unit of writing, whether it's a sentence or it's a paragraph. So if the sentence gets too long, use two sentences instead of one. Start broad and go specific. Write with the reader in mind, be clear and concise. Avoid needless words. Don't use two words when one will do. uh, Use the KISS principle. Keep it stupid, simple and short. Be tough about what's a must have and what's a nice to have. And even then be tough-minded about cutting back on the must-haves. Keep sentences short, keep paragraphs short. The paragraph uh, should consist of a lead sentence leading to the body, which is one or two sentences, and then a text sentence that leads to the next paragraph and make sure that every sentence follows logically from the sentence before. The length. If you look at the lengths, um, the main body of your manuscript should consist of the message and results. At least 50% should be the message and result. And this discussion should be longer than the introduction. Concerning authorship. The first author should be the person who did most of the work and who writes the article. co first authorship for Jesus is fine. The lead PI, the senior author should be named last. And generally, the senior author should be the corresponding author. Choose a journal. Don't be distracted by impact factors. In today's online universe, if your work is good, readers everywhere will find it, guaranteed. Some tips and tricks. I mentioned them throughout my manuscripts. Picture your or reading your work. Start with the tables and the figures. Title and text boxes are key. Keep it stupid, simple and short. Be smart on the references and submit your best papers to the Journal of I hope you will benefit from this presentation and I thank you
1: for your attention. We're now going to spend a few minutes on how to prepare a case report. I have no conflict of interest with this talk and my disclosures are enumerated. There was a very nice editorial by Nick Van Dyke in May 2019 that talked about why case reports are important. The current state is that evidence-based medicine is important to advance the research for many situations, but they do devalue eminence-based medicine, which could be considered level five. Clinicians use their own internal database for problem solving and in treating individual patients and as such are executing a type of case report format. Evidence-based medicine is difficult to provide answers for many complex clinical decisions, especially in surgery. The case report is necessary for progress. It teaches the unknown and it discloses the unrecognized. Even though case reports are not meant to introduce new evidence, they are a great source of new ideas, novel solutions, And intellectual advancements. They are not considered research because it doesn't answer a defined question in a research format, but it could be considered perhaps broader than research because it helps to foster these new ideas and novel solutions. They're important because they are unique clinical experiences that serve to enhance awareness and knowledge of a condition. The case report must convince on its own and be interesting, and it is meant to stimulate discussion and possibly debate. In preparing a case report, one should identify the uniqueness and educational value of the report and review the literature to confirm its novelty and possible related information. You should obtain an IRB. In many situations, they are exempt or expediated, and this is very site-specific. For instance, in my institution, if you have less than three people, it is considered a case report. And as such, it is able to go under an exempt IRB review. When to consider patient consent. Oftentimes, because of its uniqueness, that is identifiable. And it often means that patient consent should be obtained. One should be aware that in most situations, this is not the jurisdiction of the IRB. It's actually the jurisdiction of the journal. However, one should in most cases obtain a patient consent. If it has any information that are not in the public domain, a patient consent is necessary. The abstract title is helpful if you have something that's provocative, that draws the audience in. The abstract should include relevant details of the case, emphasizing its uniqueness, and it's helpful to think about whether the abstract in and of itself can be identified by a computer search, so one should have those key phrases that identify that uniqueness of the problem, because oftentimes the abstract itself is all that is being uh, able to be looked at by a computer search. The body of the case report should include relevant aspects in a chronological fashion. If there is a lot of details to the timeline, a uh, visible timeline is helpful to enhance the clarity of the case. Salient imaging and laboratory data should be included. The number of figures should be logically relevant to the case. Our uh, Journal of Isicus does not have a specific number, but we do ask that they should have a logical number that is necessary to explain the situation. Follow-up should be relevant to the intervention being performed and it should have a satisfactory outcome. In most clinical situations, one year is desirable. Multimedia is acceptable when it is needed to display findings that are essential to defend the article's conclusions and could not be presented adequately in a text table or figure format. In the discussion, the uniqueness of the case should be discussed in light of existing literature. Salient points of the clinical experience is helpful. What was done well? What could be done better? And how could this impact future patient care? The conclusion should include the principle or take-home message. It should emphasize the educational value of the case, And of course, the conclusion should be substantiated by the details of the case. In conclusion, the case report is necessary for progress, teaches the unknown, discloses the unrecognized, and fosters new ideas for research. Hope to see your case reports soon. Thank you for your attention.
2: Thank you again for watching this webinar describing how to prepare a technical note for our new video library. I have no relevant disclosures relating to this video. Our new video library will feature both current and novel technique submissions. Current techniques are considered as previously published with mid and long-term outcomes available. Novel techniques have not been previously published or provide a significant modification to a surgical aspect of an existing technique, such as positioning, approach, procedure, or implant class. These submissions will follow a strict technical format, which I will describe as follows. The format will include both a text submission as well as a video submission. Both of these are required to be in the English language and submitted together for the technique. The text portion will include a brief abstract, a text box highlighting the pertinent points of the technique, and a description of the technique itself. Novel techniques should include a second text box describing the novelty. The video portion will include a five to seven minute video with a maximum file size of 150 megabytes. Any of the listed three video file formats will be acceptable. The text portion will be relatively similar between the novel and current techniques. Both will have a number of standard subheadings typical of technical descriptions, including clinical background, treatment options, surgical indications, technique, outcomes, and conclusions. The main difference will come just before the conclusions where the novel technique will highlight the novelty as well as describe early outcomes for respective case series, while the current technique will focus on outcomes and complications. We will also consider single case reports on a limited basis for novel techniques. The video portion will follow a very strict format in order to engage viewers and develop familiarity while streamlining the technical presentation. It will begin with a standard slide for the Journal of Issacos video library, followed by the technique title authors, and affiliations. Disclosures will be next, followed by indications and contraindications, an overview of preoperative imaging, and preoperative preparation, including positioning, anesthesia, and perioperative medications, such as antibiotics. The technical portion of the video will follow next. It is critical to orient the viewers Particularly for arthroscopic cases, to patient positioning, portals utilized, viewing and working portals, arthroscopy viewing angle and orientation, and key technical steps that are clearly filmed. It is extremely helpful to include multiple viewing angles and close up footage of complex surgical maneuvers. For arthroscopic techniques, exterior footage showing instrument utilization cannula positioning and suture management is also important to include. Rationale for specific instruments and implants should be mentioned if they are essential components of the technique. All of these additions can help strengthen the value of the video for submission and education purposes. In cases of novel techniques, a slide highlighting the novelty of the technique will follow the technical description to underscore the novelty of the technique. The post-operative care rehabilitation will come next, followed by return to sport criteria. A final concluding slide will come last. To review, the main differences between novel and current techniques are that the novel techniques must specifically emphasize the novelty, as well as advantages and disadvantages of the new technique while current techniques will focus on key steps as well as outcomes and possible complications. Tips for success with peer review include strictly following the order and formatting as outlined in these guidelines, providing quality arthroscopic and external footage that visually depict the technique and utilizing clear and succinct narration. Example submissions will be provided for novel and current techniques to assist with submission preparation. We'd like to thank you for watching this webinar and wish you luck with your submissions.
1: All right, we'll now open up the Q&A component of this webinar. We hope that the uh, three uh, lectures Support will help to support maximizing your journal submissions, and we certainly encourage you and your colleagues to submit manuscripts case reports and technical notes to the Journal of ISAKIS. We recently um, w- We will open up the questions, and I might just start uh, asking Kevin, uh, is there a way to do you have a slide deck uh, that we that they could follow through in regards to that might be available for the reviewers if they're going to do the technical note. I know that this video will be online, but is there a slide deck or something they can access?
2: Yeah, Liza, thank you. Uh, So there will be a slide deck that'll be provided for both the novel and the current techniques, and we'll provide this for uh, both PowerPoint and keynote format. So the authors will have access to that while they're preparing their video. Uh, There will be also suggestions in terms of how much they should manipulate that as well as add animations to hold the viewer's attention. So those will be available for authors to access and help expedite preparation of their video.
1: Great. And Nick, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the case reports. I believe that there's a certain number that is uh, in each of our uh, journals. I believe it's two. Can you talk a little bit about the number of acceptance and uh, confirm uh, if there's a certain number of case reports that you try and have in each journal? um yes thank you lisa and and there's
0: not a, a certain number of case reports that we um that we publish in the journal it really depends on the quality of the of the case report and that's basically true for for all the manuscripts that we publish um we publish uh, at least one state of the art in each uh, um in each issue of the journal we try to um publish one one classic uh, of course we publish the uh, original research um, but there is not a certain number of, of case reports that we publish. It, it really depends on the quality. Um, and we get quite a lot of submissions uh, for case reports. Um, and unfortunately, they, um, and that's why your presentation was so excellent, because um, uh, you really um, told all of us and uh, um, the participants um, to this webinar on how a case report uh, should be uh, written and and why it often fails or where it often fails is that the case reports that we get that are submitted do not um uh, do not present something uh, which is new um, they present something which has already been published and 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 uh, a case report should uh, always um have a novelty of something um to add to what is unknown as you so so excellently uh, told us so the percentage of acceptation for case report is lower than um uh, lower than for all other manuscripts uh, at this point so i really hope that after your presentation uh, this really will go up and that will get excellent case report because really they are very important because they really can can be uh, a great source of new ideas and of intellectual uh, advancement, and, and they really can stimulate discussion. So um, I really feel that the mix in, in these codes with, with all the article types is really important. Does that One answer the, your question?
1: Yes. One of the uh, questions from the audience is, is there a limit in the number of references for a case report? I I, I did not find this in the in the in the abstract submissions or the manuscript submission is there a number a limit to the number of references
0: um well it is um it is the same as for the number of, of figures uh, for a case report there is no limit uh, that we set in the in the um, in the guideline for authors but the number of figures and the number of references should be uh, in uh, balance with the message of the case report. So it will depend on, um, on the case report, which, which is also true, like I, I, I say, for the figures. Um, because sometimes you need a lot of figures to, uh, to explain, but sometimes uh, it, there are redundant figures. So it really depends of, um, of, of the case.
1: Uh, one of the questions from the audience, uh, and maybe you could offer your thoughts too on this, Kevin, if you have just a few number of patients with an uncommon disease, and then you do a surgical procedure, um, again, a case report, again, from my institution, is a, it's considered a, a, um, a case report if it's under three patients. It really depends a little bit on the journal, but I will say that generally between three and five patients, If they fit a commonality, that they present something that is unique or educational or novel, that would be okay. Uh, But Kevin, uh, how would you answer that in terms of the same question for maybe a technical aspect of it? Uh, Do you consider it novel? Do you, if it's just one, how do you manage if you have a small case series? Like when does it go from a technical report to research and that might be true for both a case report and what you might consider a manuscript?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. I think um, in terms of the video submissions um, for the novel techniques, we're really trying to expand uh, everyone's aspect to techniques and um, modifications of current techniques that are out there. So we aren't necessarily limiting ourselves to only specific numbers of patients. Um, We are open to evaluating individual cases on a case by case basis, Um, but our preference would be uh, at least a minimum of a small case series of anywhere from five to 10 patients, ideally even beyond 10 if that's available. And because because of the current uh, pandemic and everything that somewhat has made follow-up difficult, We also have um, only required a minimum of six months of follow up. So we are trying to make it available for authors to submit videos that may be smaller in size because we do realize that uh, the novelty of the technique comes early and a lot of the current published techniques take years to uh, submit and get published. And we're trying to really bring uh, state of the art techniques to a broader base. So I think by doing that with a smaller case series, that might be available. So really, the answer to the question is, we will consider uh, individual cases to a limited extent, but we would prefer if there was at least five to 10 patients with a minimum of six months of follow-up for outcomes. And that would also help other readers find it more valid and accessible into their own practice.
1: Great. One of the questions, uh, if, if the audience should be looking through the question and answers because Liedert uh, is answering several of them. Uh, case reporter is asking for about 30 references as max, uh, but it's not a, it's not a, a hard stop. Um, I'm hoping someone in the office can uh, disclose how would they can find this, this recording later. I know you said it earlier, uh, but there is a question about confirm where this recording will be posted for future reference. I wanted to ask, this is an interesting question and I think we could ask all of us, Nick you're the main person that uh, accepts or or rejects, but I think we all have long experience with reviewing, what are the three main reasons for submission rejections, how would you answer that and we'll go Nick and then Kevin and then I'll offer uh, thoughts on that
0: well the, the rejection obviously um is done based on the uh on the reviewers' comments uh so there is a minimum of two reviewers for each manuscript and they provide um, they provide us with their uh, comments and uh, and and that is um, uh, what is important and then the the reason why for for a case report for example is the main reason is that it's not unique um, uh, I would say that is the main reason uh, why case reports are not, um, accepted. And, and Leonard has, uh, uh, answered that. We, we had 20 submissions and uh, we, we published one, uh, three accepted three under review. So, um, that is, if this is for this is by 20%, so it's not that bad, but, um, uh, but, but that's the main reason And maybe Leonard, uh, if you want to, uh, to add anything to this, it, can later be unmuted or can he unmute himself? Leland,
1: I'm not sure. We'll try this.
0: Because he can add to this uh, this discussion because what was the other question apart from?
1: Uh, just a, a general impression of why, why a paper would be rejected. They asked for three reasons, but just generally speaking, do you have a, you know an insight or or what's your what's your can what's your thoughts on that
0: well it is um uh, there is there are so many different reasons like i say for the case report it's quite clear um, what is the main reason um, it all has to do with the quality of um, of the paper maybe the follow-up uh, sometimes is not good enough and then you talked about the follow-up for a case report for example one year but for a case report it really depends uh on what type of case is it it's a diagnostic procedure then um the 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 um obviously the follow-up is short but if it's a a prosthesis then maybe the follow-up should be 10 years especially when it's a case report um so the average of one year that you mentioned uh, uh, for original research uh, uh, a lot of journals go for two years so it it really depends on the case um um, how long the follow-up should be, but follow-up then is, um, is an important, uh, reason for, or can be a, a reason for, uh, for rejection, uh, that, um, the guideline for authors were not followed, for example, for a systematic review that they didn't follow the PRISMA guidelines, um, um, those are the important reasons for, for review, for, uh,
2: rejection
1: you have any thoughts, Kevin, if you had to give your resident or any of your, your learners advice?
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, of course, the basics of being grammatically correct is always necessary. But the biggest thing for me as a reviewer, too, would be uh, number one, in just the design of the study is a study designed appropriately to capture the main goal and the hypothesis. Um, the second would be the statistical analysis used is it done accurately and it was the correct analysis for the data that were obtained and then thirdly is this type of study applicable to the journal for which it's being submitted is it going to reach the viewers of the journal that it's meant to be sent and it may be a good study but it may be in the wrong journal and so that is another reason that unfortunately may get rejected.
1: Well, you could have a follow-up question because one of the uh, audience asked, well, how do, you, how do you choose that journal for publication? How do you do that?
2: Yeah, I think you have to consider the audience that would be number one, interested in the type of research that you're providing. Uh, and so I think you need to understand what sort of viewers you're trying to reach and what impact you're trying to make in terms of what you're presenting. And then the second is to also recognize Uh, once you've identified that, what journals would reach that type of demographic. And so uh, those are things that hopefully you've garnered through your training, you can ask your colleagues and you can find online.
1: I I would add that one of the things that Nick said before, I think impact factor is becoming less important. I know for many academic places, they give certain points based on impact factor. And of course, impact factor relates to how many viewers, uh, you you how many hits you get with, with people reading your journal, but I think with open access this is really kind of busting that whole impact factor wide open. And I think that for people who would like some of their ideas out there quickly, uh, certainly uh, open access is the way to go. The other uh, statement that I might just say, which I kind of smiled when I heard Nick's um, uh, presentation on this, if you're, I always say if your introduction and your discussion is twice as big as your methodology and your results there's something wrong with the paper you know the crux of the paper is the methodology and the results and the discussion should help the reader to understand how you the 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 author puts that your results in light of you know sort of the current state and i do think that too many people try to pad the paper with a big introduction that really is more of a systematic review that's that's not needed Uh, or the discussion just kind of digs too deep. It's overreaching. The discussion shouldn't be overreaching. If you have one fact, let that fact stand alone. If you think it's important enough, you don't have to necessarily overreach. And I think that uh, I tend to say, this is the body of this paper isn't bad, but let's reduce the, the discussion. This part's not necessary. If you're talking about a procedure for cartilage of the patella, for instance, you don't necessarily have to go through all the different ways that you uh prepared all the different other techniques that you use for cartilage repair this is focused on one technique that's just an example so i really do think that you you don't need your your methodology and results should stand alone and you don't necessarily have to overreach during the discussion that kind of turns me off and then maybe it's what nick said you know end up getting sort of uh bored bored and reading it so here's your review where you're kind of getting bored with reading the discussion because it just goes into a lot of other stuff um Let's see. The, the one Somebody asked, what, what does the institutional title, uh, how should you do that if you're in a community practice or you're not related to an academic institution? How important is that? And do you have any advice on how they should uh, use their title and their location? Does it is it their hospital? Is it their, the name of their firm? And how do you use that? Nick, would you be able to comment on that?
0: Well, you, uh, you have to mention your affiliation. Um, so if you work uh, in a hospital, then you mention the hospital, you don't need to have an academic affiliation.
1: Well, I mean, it's a little bit different between United States and um, Europe, but certainly in the United States, many people work at more than one hospital. So I suppose you would choose either what you consider your main hospital, or if you are part of a large group, you would name that group. The idea in a way, is to try to be able to locate who you are. And so, you know, in, in our United States and certainly in my state of Minnesota, we have some very large orthopedic groups. And if you would title it that, that group's name, you would be, be able to be identified as to your location and they could find you. And that's in some ways that's the idea of giving you yourself an affiliation. Does anyone have any other comments about that? Okay, let's see what some of the other questions. There was a question about should you change your protocol title when you want to get it published. I do think that the title is helpful, as as Nick said, to draw the patient in or draw the reader in. But I will say that I know that I, as a reviewer, if I feel that your article is a good one, and and sometimes the, the journal editors will suggest a different title, not necessarily to take away from your paper, but to maybe uh, have a title that either reflects your findings, uh, that are more, uh, having a conclusion, which Nick mentioned earlier, uh, and, or to, to draw the, the, the reader in, because that's important because we have so many options now, uh, in terms of readers.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. You, you should not, you cannot change your protocol. I mean, and that's why nowadays, um, um uh, we demand uh and a lot of journals demand that the protocol should be published first and once you have published your protocol then obviously you identified um uh, for example the statistic that you're going to apply that's apl- applicable to um to this, um, this 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 research and then you cannot change it um, so that's why a lot of uh, journals nowadays demand that the protocol is uh, published first, because um, when you don't have statistical significant difference, and then you may be tempted to use another uh, statistic to make it statistical significant, and, and that's not the appropriate statistic. So uh, the protocol is the protocol and, um, um, uh, and you cannot change it. But the title Uh, The title of your publication, um, um, that comes last, and like I said, the title is the most important, but you make the title at the end. You have done everything and then you put all your energy in the title, and the title should be conclusive and should be a sort of mini abstract of your paper. The main conclusion of your paper, um, you put the main conclusion in 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 the title. Uh, So it should be attractive, it should be conclusive, it should be the main conclusion, so there goes a lot of energy in the title, but the title um, uh, does not have to be the title of your protocol, because that was the question, should the title be
1: the title of the protocol? No. Um one of the thoughts one of the other questions is how do we look at the use of a medical illustrator and maybe Kevin, you have some thoughts about how one should use medical illustration versus a video versus a still picture, especially when you're trying and this this would hold true for certainly more than a technical report, but I think it's really important for for your area. how would you answer this
2: yeah, I think um I think a medical illustration can be very beneficial for people, especially if there is uh, some component that you're trying to get across to readers that's not easily explainable and also um, not universally uh, known. And so if there is some particular uh, portion of the technique or portion uh, of your methodology that you feel like is really critical for the reader or the viewer to understand, to to really accept the methodology that I think you should consider medical illustration. Now, there isn't um, a tier that we would have to consider say for acceptance. And certainly in terms of the video editing, it doesn't necessarily have to be done by a professional, but it should look clean, it should look clear and it should allow the viewer or the reader to really understand what's going on. So uh, from a video editing perspective, it doesn't have to be high-end software. It could be something simple, but as long as it's clear and the viewer reader can understand it, then I think it's good. It certainly would benefit your paper if you did have a medical illustrator do it, but I don't think it's necessarily mandatory to do that.
0: In general, I believe uh, that uh, the figures are really important, and and when you go through a manuscript, uh, apart from the title, it are the first things that you look at. Um, you look at the figures, and and the figure should stand alone. You you read the figure, and you read um, um, with the figure. You should not have to dig into the manuscript to understand the figure. So, having an illustrator uh, can sometimes help because. Uh, uh, like I say, it draws the attention to it can draw the attention to the to the article.
1: I think that sometimes anatomy is hard to get a really good clean uh, still picture of it because a lot of the colors are very similar, uh, especially if you're doing it without a tourniquet. And I think I think that for me the most illustrious uh, uh, picture is one that when you look even at a high quality photo, you just can't quite figure out the layers or you just can't quite figure out the, the, the key component of what that picture is trying to show. And sometimes a medical illustrator can bring that out in a much better fashion, even without a, you know color illustration. So that's what I sometimes look for. I will say, Nick, there's a couple of questions that people are concerned about the pricing of an open access article. And particularly for people who have are in uh, countries that already are strapped for funds for research. Two questions. one is uh, talk maybe a little bit about the Isicus discount and and secondly, is there any advice or is there any avenues that there might be some way to um, have some redirection of these funds uh, to help people that are might be in underserved countries?
0: Yeah that's a, that's an important issue and uh, uh, for Isicus uh, members there is uh, a 20 percent discount. Uh, Um, on the on the APC Uh, and there is waiver programs Um, and there is also for um, low-volume countries um, uh, there's other possibilities of uh, uh, of getting uh, waivers and uh, the East Coast office uh, can help Um, uh, so if you are an East Coast member then uh, just uh, approach us and we can see um, where the opportunities uh, are to uh, to get a waiver of the of the APC, and there is also certain article types that uh, the commissioned articles uh, they don't have an APC. So all the um, the, the the classics and uh, the state of the art and the current concept reviews, uh, which are commissioned, um, they don't have uh, an APC. So there there's a variety of. Uh, of possibilities uh, how, we,
2: uh, how we go. Uh, how
1: so we that see. leads to another question. Uh, if you have an idea for a classic article that you might want to consider writing for the journal, how would one go about uh, seeing if that would be of interest to the journal?
0: Yeah, that's a matter of uh, approaching uh, uh, me uh, with the idea. And then uh, it depends on the of the 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 topic and if you already have published on the topic uh, and then uh, and then that surely uh, can be uh, um, uh, we can then invite uh, the one who uh, who comes to to me uh, to us um, with a proposal then um, that can be uh, he can be invited so it's not that we only have to choose i mean we must have our ideas uh, from uh, from all of you, all the the participants uh, to this webinar. I mean, if there's interesting ideas, then of course uh, uh, they're very welcome, and, and especially from these uh, classics. Uh, uh, I mean, the state of the art um, that's a different ball game, but uh, the, the classics, as you say, we're very welcomed. We uh, have very welcome ideas for the classics.
1: Uh, there is also a question uh, that I'm not exactly sure what the question is, but the reader or the the audience member is talking about publication bias. Now, that can come in many forms, but specifically they're saying that you may have uh, non-significant data because it's a limited sample size, and how do you get over that if it doesn't have good uh, clinically significant results? Um, Kevin or Nick, do you have any any thoughts on this? I'm not sure that's the only thing we look at when we look at yeah. an article, but what are your thoughts on this?
2: Well, I think, uh, I mean, in my experience, at least we're trying to publish valid results. And so the simple answer to that is do a power analysis. And if your power analysis says that even if you have no statistical significance, but it's still within acceptable power, then you could have validity behind your results of non-significance. Um, Unfortunately, if you do have a low sample size in your insignificant findings, then you can't say for sure whether that is simply due to a low sample size or if truly that is uh, what is accepted as true. So the, the short answer to that is do a power analysis and really that should be done uh, a priori before you actually do your full analysis because if you do it before that then you can be certain that you have the right number of patients collected to run your analysis. And that should really be a part of the original study design if you want to have a strong manuscript.
1: And if there's not significant results, it may be that you've disproven your, your null hypothesis. Uh, and, and of course, we all are aware of when you can have clinically uh, statistical significance, but there, it's not clinically applicable because the difference is so small. That could be in a measurement such as in a patellofemoral joint. It could be in the CUS score. You know, the the, um, minimal acceptable clinical difference is 10 for the CUS score, but it still may be clinically significant if your results in one group is 55 and the other group is 58. That may be clinically significant, but it's not, or statistically significant, but it doesn't have clinical uh, significance that are of value to the reader. So I think that statistics has to be looked at as a tool that helps to support your paper, but it is not the only tool that you can use because I've seen just as many papers that do have statistical significance, but the difference is so small, it doesn't have any clinical relevance. So I think that that's just the, 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 the other side of that coin. And I, I, if you believe in your results, I think you've got to see what reviewers think about it and try to present your case. And I, I thank you, Kevin. That was a really great way of saying that. Lisa, I, I
0: have a question uh, for Kevin. Uh, uh, what is, can you be more specific maybe on what is novel? Uh, how novel should be a novel technique uh, to be called novel? Is there a definition? Uh, how much must be the difference between an old technique and a new technique? Uh, I mean, yeah, it's arbitrary of course, but can you maybe uh, alluded to this? Of
2: course, yeah. That's it's a very important question as, as you uh, have alluded to so uh, for us what we're looking for for novelty is really a, a, a true difference in either a current technique that's been previously published that difference could be just in positioning it could be in the approach utilized it could be in the actual technique or it could be in a new implant class so if one of or more of those components are truly different than what's previously been published for a technique, then we would consider that novel. And then, yeah. of course, if it's never been described as the technique itself anywhere published in the literature, that also would be considered novel.
0: Yeah. And, and, and what you can add is that uh, the novelty should be not a novelty because it's just a novelty, but, uh, with the novelty, you would expect to, um, have a better, Uh, something uh, for the patient, Uh, either a shorter operating time, uh, less complications, uh, quicker procedure, uh, uh, maybe uh, less cost, uh, but there must be uh, an advantage coming out of the novelty. Yes,
2: yeah, that's a very good point, and that's also what we're really looking for in terms of the presentation uh, of the video and the text is truly what are the advantages, but also the potential disadvantages for the novelty compared to the current technique. And so authors really have to think about the difference they're making and ensure that it's not at a, any increased risk as well.
1: And there's one last question that talks about can you publish a case report when it's been published before? And I, well, the way I would answer that is actually pretty similar to what Kevin was saying about his technique. It depends on whether you're adding something new to the literature. So if this was published four decades ago, and it, it's sort of a lost technique, yes, absolutely try to bring that back into the current state. Or if the if, the, if the, your technique on how to do it or how you use a technique, maybe for a slightly different diagnosis, uh, that would be fine to, to, to publish it as well. But you can't publish something that, that just because it's in a different journal. Uh, so what I would say is the same thing. What is the educational value that you're bringing in 2021 or 2022 with this case report that has not been uh, covered by the previous case, case report that might be in another journal at an earlier time. So we're almost at time, uh, I, I wanted to just give a little bit of a highlight to the fact that we recently had a contest for the best articles published in uh, Jessicus, the Journal of Isicus, over the past five years, and we would like to briefly acknowledge these winning articles, and you can see them uh, depicted on the slides. Again, if you're not a current member of Isicus, we invite you to join as well and join for the upcoming virtual Isicus 2021 Global Congress. Uh, please consider Journal of Issacus for your next journal submission. I uh, have a wonderful morning, evening, night, depending on where you are. And I would like to turn this back to our Isicus staff for some additional comments.